Welcome everybody to Too Legit to Crit, a tabletop role-playing podcast hosted by two people who are about as fun as getting paralysed in combat. <laughs> My name is John Santana. I'm still Justin. It's not changed. So, have you, have you ever had one of those combats where you get like paralysed the first fucking round? Yes. And you just sit there? It, it, it was the... Uh, it wasn't paralysed, but it was frightened. Um, and it was the introduction uh of my character to the group um and the the dm had built this encounter specifically for my cleric um so basically we were fighting uh some wraiths um and they used their fear ability thing that they have and i failed my saving throw because you know i suck at you them. yeah um and i spent the entire combat basically feared uh until about the final round Nice. Yeah, it, you got to love it when that happens. It's the best. In 2nd edition, it's a bit harder to do, um, to literally take someone out of combat. They, they've got the incapacitation method, which depend, which will work better against lower-level things, but against higher-level things, they won't. Mm. So, you know... A creature that's lower level than you has got a very slim chance of taking you out of the combat. Uh, you underestimate my power. <laughs> no, no. The the system is designed for people like you. <laughs> so, how are you, buddy? Yeah, not bad, man. Not bad. Just uh, working lots and uh, trying to find time to put some stuff together. What about yourself? You've been all good, all gravy? Yeah, I've been good. Again, quite busy. Um, just non-stop, really. Um, but, yeah, right in the next part of my homebrew campaign. Woo-hoo. Still playing the Wednesday, which is... It's getting to a point now where where the end is in sight, so things yeah. are getting quite lethal. Okay. So that's going to be interesting. I bet. And... And yeah, other than that, I've been reading up on Bind. Yes. Um, you know, in order to, to kind of just get a feel for the system and also get a feel for the world that, that it's set in so I can yeah. write something that would fit in. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what to write. That's kind of the the thing that I'm I'm banging my head up against now. What to kind of bring to the table i mean knowing you it's it's going to be great whatever you put together um you are quite quite the talented individual i oh man that's probably the best compliment i've received all day thank you very much it's, it's the only one you're going to get so i i will relish that i will <laughs> can i have that on my tombstone or something <laughs> just get it chiseled in <laughs> just get it chiseled in you know just talented individual no specifying as to what no, 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 just, just in general. Just talented I mean, individual. If that's not like the ultimate bard, uh, like compliment, he's just talented. At what? Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I would love that if I was actually talented in certain things. <laughs> I've got no fucking musical ability. I've got no rhythm. I can't draw to save. No, but you do tell a fantastic me. story. I do try. I do try, and I do appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping to kind of bring that to to bind as well, and kind of focus on a narrative. 
And to be honest, lately, most things that I'm writing have had some sort of element of cosmic horror. I'm just really into that lately. I, I, so, I've noticed. So I'm thinking that could be it. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally looking at like our, our content shortlist and the watch list, and I would say probably about 50% of it has a, a kind of Cthulhu-ish vibe. <laughs> it is great, though. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm reading the. I'm reading um, his writings now, mm. and you know they're okay. <laughs> not, not as good as my own, but they're okay. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I mean, you take away the fact that the dude was a horrible fucking person to begin with, um, but also, I I've heard criticisms of his actual writing from people who. You know, know how to write, mm-hmm. and it is they are very accurate the the criticisms. And when you're kind of reading through his stories, it's, it, they become quite glaring. Yeah. But at the same time, the ideas that he had that that they've been put forward have started a, a genre essentially. Yeah, and I think that's you know that's the thing. Like, um, you know, you might have. And I, I think this is one of those things where it, it's really important to take the the lesson that you can from from it, right? Which is, even if you don't think you can write for shit, you might not be able to write for shit. Put your ideas down on paper because somebody will like them. And somebody who may be able to write will come along, take your idea, and make it fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with that fully. And to be honest, a lot of that is what's prompted this fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite literally, yeah. <laughs> We've just kind of gone, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to put out in the world. <laughs> well, I think it was also a case of like, we, we were sitting chatting a lot and we kind of went, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we recorded this? <laughs> True, true. That was, I think that was the conversation. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's been mostly me. I do have some some news. Oh, news. Some news. Oh yes. I saw you made a post in the Facebook group about news. I did make Spill. a post in the Facebook Spill. group. Bill, what is the news? I've actively avoided asking you. I've struggled. I I've I've <laughs> carried the burden of this information since you, I received it. And I was just like, do I tell Justin? I want to tell Justin. I should tell Justin. I can't tell Justin. I I went through the entire fucking range of stuff. Um, One of our listeners already knows. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I'm going to correct that. Two of our listeners already know. Okay. One, because they're in a similar position and we're able to to receive the news Uh, at the same time. Insider knowledge. Gotcha. Yes, and the other one is because I had to tell somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, i got to tell you, just keep it to yourself. And chances are you've probably interacted with this person and they've said nothing. Quite possibly. Okay, so I'm going to actually bring it up. um, As long as my brain starts functioning. Okay, so on Wednesday... Yarp. Uh, I got up, as I normally do, early morning, just before I got ready for work. Mm -hmm. I'd normally check my, um, you know, check my social media. I also check 
the the podcast to see if there's any been any more listeners, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et and I also checked my emails. Yeah. And I got an email from um from Kickstarter. Oh. Uh, specifically from Black Fag Roleplaying by Cobalt Press. Ooh. And the title of this email was, and the winners are. I'm so. Do you remember when I, I, I do I do remember rejected my world? <laughs> I do. <laughs> and you said, oh, I'm sure it'll come to pass. I'm sure you'll get it. And I went, I doubt it. Fucking hell. Was I right? Yes, you were. Yes. Oh, dude, that's so cool. I'm so happy for you, man. So out of 600 worlds, um, they've narrowed it down to 70. That's sick. And I, you know, I saw this email and went, ah, oh, yeah, it won't be a thing. But I just scrolled through the names. I scrolled through the names mm. and the worlds and blah, 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 because there's a massive list of them. And at one point, I just went, wait a minute, I recognise that name. <laughs> it's like, I see that name every time I get my ID out. <laughs> it's like, okay. And there was a moment where it's like, nah. <laughs> nah did did, nah, did I, you think I'd spoofed an email and sent it to you or something? <laughs> I did, I, not necessarily you, but I did double check the email address. And you know what gets me? Is I did a whole sort of, um, like, full fleshed out description of, of a, a narrative mm. of what this world was going to be. But for the sort of tagline, I just put post-apocalyptic fantasy. <laughs> So now I've been having a look at this list by all these all these other people, all these very talented people, and high fantasy capitalism in an industrial revolution setting with a war between magic and technology <laughs> and the world with a conscience who wants everyone dead. By the way, that sounds fucking awesome. It does sound awesome. <laughs> that, is, that is Sophia by Resu Krebalt. So they're going to be in the same book as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them sound fucking sweet. And it just kind of makes me think, how bad were the ones that didn't get selected for them to pick me? No, no, you see, that that's where I think you, you've got too much of a, a negative opinion of yourself, man. Like, you are very good at this. And I, I know it's, like, part of your nature to say you're not and be all modest. Stop it. <laughs> I don't, it's, it's not modesty. It's genuine doubt. Stop it. <laughs> There's a pseudo-modern electropunk fantasy with a focus Ooh. on political schemes, urban adventures, and societal imbalance. That I is Strand by Jen Sai. That sounds awesome. There's some really fucking good ones here. Mm. There are some that I'm reading and just kind of go, shit, I wish I had a thought of that. <laughs> well, again, I think that's, you know, that's that's one of those things that we can definitely take a look at, at, at stuff like this, right? And go, ooh, interesting concept. Never would have thought of that. Yoink. Now, Terror Obscurus, Rock, Shadow, and Plague. Heroes step into the struggle for survival in a subterranean city or explore ruined kingdoms above and unknown depths below. Dude, these sound so good. (laughs) There are a few that have taken my thing of just going, yeah, high fantasy in a sky-high world. Fuck it. That's your brief description. (laughs) That'll do. (laughs) But yeah, I'm, I'm made up, man. Dude, that's that's so cool, man. I'm actually so happy for you, dude. So I, I spoke to my parents and went, "Oh, guess what? I'm you know I'm gonna feature in a book," and they've kind of gone, 
What? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what's even kind of weirder though? Is it it, it, it it kind of means that you you kind of can speak from a position of authority now. You're no longer uh, any of the intros that you've had because now you have published work in this community. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to put publish author on my CV just yet. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> you wrote something and it's published. That's like the definition. You know, <laughs> you know I, yeah, fair, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it... Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to start taking my laptop to Starbucks anytime soon. <laughs> start writing on the next great screenplay. I, 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 I had to do that for work the other day. <laughs> you are shit... Oh, how did you not want to kill yourself? I did. I really did. It, okay, it wasn't Starbucks. It was Costa for a start. So oh, because that's so much fucking better. No, it's just closer. <laughs> but basically, um, so across the road from me, there, like, there's been like an, an abandoned shop for the last like fucking I don't know, like twenty years or something stupid. Like, as long as I've lived in South End, it's been an abandoned shop, right? This is not existing. Um, so much so that there was like a like a. 15 20 foot tree growing in the middle of the shop fair yeah proper abandoned um and somebody's now bought it and they're in the process of like demolition to build something right which obviously means that there's a lot of cutting happening and things underground and piping and cabling and all that sort of thing and they 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 broke the internet um because the exchange for my internet is outside my building and across the road from where they're doing the work so i had no internet and i work i work in it i need internet um, no so, yeah that, that that's kind of um, a prerequisite so i had two i had two choices um go spend the day at my parents house or go sit in costa um what have your parents done for you to choose costa over them oh it's not what they've done it's that, that they, they they always have something to say and i'm just I'm, I'm, i'd rather just sit in costa where i can ignore the world with some headphones on dude you're a parent that's what we do exactly exactly <laughs> i know I'm from a, both sides <laughs> i'm a parent and i do it i've always got something to say yeah you'll be but that's just the way you are <laughs> yeah true <laughs> what are you calling me opinionated yes how very dare you. How very accurate of me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, don't don't be, get me wrong, so am I. To be honest, I think all of our listeners are kind of like, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think we've kind of crossed that. They, they kind of, they've started to know me now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, that is my awesome news. I am, that is, that I'm is chuffed, I'm made up, man. Yeah, no, absolutely, dude. You should be, you should be proud. That That's really, really big. That's amazing. I could, Oh, dude, that's awesome. Um, so that's uh, yeah. another book I'm going to have to buy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, we're adding it to the list. So, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for them to get in touch with me over the next couple of weeks to see mm. what happens from there. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. No, that's, that's actually amazing. Um, that's, yeah. Wow, dude. So, speaking of um, Tales of the Valiant... The... <laughs> Loving that segue. I mean, I mean, the, there has never been a more appropriate segue. It wasn't really a segue; it was just a fucking wedge. <laughs> um, so the alpha release is out mm. for ten bucks. 
Huh? Ten dollars. Um, come again? It's out for ten dollars. Uh, Uncle will press pining shots. Yes. I'm off to go and grab it. I would appreciate that because you can maybe help. <laughs> um, obviously, obviously, uh, backers have got it. Discount have got it essentially for free. Yep. But anybody who is anybody can actually go and pick that up now. And it is 170 pages. So it's not a small book. It's, you know. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a chunk of book. You know, there's a bunch of classes in there. I think about full, four full, classes. Yeah, I'm just reading now. Full character creation rules. All the way up um, to level five. Yeah, so you've got powerful fighter options like the Spellblade and Weapon Master, clever rogue options like the Enforcer and the Thief. Also, there's even like you've got subclasses as well. Yeah, yeah, you've got you've got subclasses. Um, more um, than seventy monsters, including yeah. possibly the best name ever, the Crimson Jelly. That just sounds <laughs> sexual. <laughs> that just yeah. sounds like like a, like a seedy strip joint. It, that's, that's what I mean. Like, it, it just sounds. It sounds like somewhere, like some kind of tavern that a bard would go. What's with the dunking jelly on, again, isn't he? Dunking on bards this episode because because they, as we covered in the last episode, they've ruined monks for me. <laughs> it's not Bastards. the bard's fault. I mean, Speaking... it is. <laughs> they didn't exist. It wouldn't happen. I actually went down memory lane the other day and did a blog post about. I saw, I saw. I was like, oh, Good old man, Nash. I miss him. He was fun. He was, he a, was a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Just every opportunity he could have. He but never to my character. Dick. No, but Couch's character, yes. Oh, you mean the uh, the cleric of Saran Wrap? <laughs> cleric of Saran Wrap. <laughs> oh, I love that that joke has like transcended that game and is now just a universal joke amongst us. <laughs> But my aversion to Saren Ray has as well. Yeah, same. In every game that I've played, and there's been a priest or cleric of Saren Ray, I have fucking tortured them. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I've been exactly the same. I don't, I don't know what it is. I think maybe it was just that that initial, that was our introduction to the, the god botherer cleric, right? It was so... I mean, especially <laughs> in Rune Lords, one of the players was playing a cleric of Saren Ray and they went to they went to a bigger city and he went and found a temple. Um, and I think it, it was part of his backstory, the, this person in this temple, and I just made her the most fucked up person ever. Like, he'd walk in and she'd do him, like, bumping lines of coke off a toilet seat and shit like that. <laughs> And it carried on into Abomination Vault. And I think the joke peaked when they walked in and the priestess was there enjoying a donkey show. <laughs> That's amazing. And after that, I just, after that, I stopped because it's like, I'm not going to get any funnier than that. Yeah. No, that that's, is, yeah. That's as funny as I'm going to get with this. So <laughs> I just stopped the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's actually quite funny. But yeah, so 10 sorry. bucks. Yeah, that's good, man. It's, yeah, it's I can confirm. Well I've got the screen open. Nine ninety nine for the PDF right now. Well worth it. Yeah. Well fucking worth it. I will be picking that up with my tax rebate that I just got. No, at least you get one. I don't. It was it it was it was good. I bought furniture. I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. nice. It's weird. I don't like it. <laughs> there was a time where it was like tax rebate to the pub. Now it's like tax rebate to IKEA. 
Now, to be honest, in a in a recent windfall that I got, my first instinct was MacBook. <laughs> dude, we're getting old. <laughs> I will, dude. If I can afford computers, I will always buy fucking computers. I mean, I can't regardless of age. One, two, three, four, five. Five PCs in my immediate vicinity. I've got three. Two of them I've I use. The other one is an old laptop where I've got a Linux system booted up on. Mm. Yeah. And then I've got a cloud book which I've given to my son for his homework. Mm. But nice, nice. yeah, I yeah, I need to stop. And spend money on productive things like tabletop role-playing games. Yes. Yes. Which part of my windfall also went onto all the books on (laughs) Pathfinder Nexus. I mean, valid. Valid point. That's that's for posterity. That's a a wise purchase. (laughs) Well, speaking of wise purchases, this is how you do a segue. That was sexy. Here is a purchase that was not wise. So, <laughs> right? Did you see that segue? It was good. That right? was that was a, not only a segue, but it was a twist. Right, a segue with a twist. Yeah, nice. It's one like one of them hoverboards. Um, <laughs> so, so just before um, the first lockdown, right back way back when, before the plague, um, Hasbro bought a film studio, right? E one or Entertainment One, if we're doing its full title. Uh, it was not a wise purchase because obviously COVID happened. Uh, nobody went to the cinema. No money was made on films during that period, really. Uh, and then cinemas reopened. Yay! But nobody went. Um, <laughs> so sales as a whole have never really recovered. So they are selling off um, E1 globally, but they've closed the theatrical operations in the UK. Do you think the real reason they're selling is it it because it sounds too much like D and D one? Possibly. It's like no, no, we've got to get rid of that name. And, and that would be a great theory if they hadn't put it up for sale over a year ago. <laughs> so they initially put it up for sale back in November last year. So not quite a year over a year ago, but about a year ago. So, um, but yeah, no, they they put it up about um a year ago, and apparently Lionsgate is the front runner to buy out the other half because they own it alongside Hasbro. So apparently they're they're looking to just buy it out outright. Um but we don't know whether they're gonna match the four billion dollars. I'll say that again. Four billion with a B dollars that Hasbro paid to buy it just before lockdown. Um only to see it not make any money. So yeah, bad investment. It cannot have helped <laughs> The the D and D movie didn't perform up to expectations, and despite my aversion to all things wizards, from what I gather from critics and all that, it didn't perform as well as it should have. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest, as you know, and as everyone that listens knows, I'm big on D and D. I haven't even seen it. <laughs> No, apparently, like all, and the I can reviews... see the cinema from my window. <laughs> but all the reviews apparently are, are glaring. But you know, they're really, really good reviews. Really yeah, positive. Apparently, it's a re- everyone I know that's seen it said it was a really good film. They really enjoyed it. People that play D and D enjoyed it. People that don't play D and D enjoyed it. Um, I just think it, it. 
I think as a whole, the 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 cinema in the UK has just not recovered. The the box office is down thirty percent from pre COVID. It's just never recovered. True, but you've also got, and it also has to be said, it opened at the same time as fucking Mario. Yeah, all oh, that didn't do well though, did it? Mario, no. <laughs> that was that. That was another thing that was bad money spent. <laughs> But, I mean, they've still got it playing now. It's fucking ridiculous the amount of money that made. I haven't seen it. <laughs> no, no, I mean, my kids have, and they said it was fantastic. And, you know, it's it's made all the fucking money. Yeah. And, you know, Nintendo, opening, Nintendo always make money. The, 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 opening alongside that, that's a, that's a David and yeah. Goliath battle. If there oh, yeah, absolutely. One. I mean, uh, and let's be honest, like, Nintendo could slap you in the face, charge you 50 quid, and people would do it with a smile. I don't. I don't know how Nintendo get away with half Ninte- the stuff they do. Nintendo could give me two pound fifty and slap me across the fucking face. Exactly. Yeah. You, you could, like, yeah. You would do pretty much anything to get slapped across the face. You enjoy it. But anyway, with we, digress. <laughs> <laughs> we digress. We yeah. digress. With a with a with a Mario shaped <laughs> dildo. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was uh back on topic. That was a, a a terrible investment. So money poorly spent from Hasbro on that one. But then again, let's be honest, Hasbro, it's a case of, yeah, this didn't work out. Well, let's sell it and buy another one. Yeah, pretty much. I'm fairly certain that won't be the last we see of them having some kind of studio. No, definitely not. Um, you know, it is a huge, huge multinational mm. company. So they will they'll delve they'll back into into movies at some point mm-hmm. they, you know all the all the licenses they've got or yeah could potentially have once a certain number of years kind of run out mm. yeah it's you know they'll, they'll be back they'll be fine they'll be fine <laughs> so another new another bit of news in in corporate restructuring which is a bit mm. which is a bit closer to home because the the owner of and creator of this rpg is a friend of mine. Oh. Um, he's a local boy. Interesting. Um, but Dragon Turtle Games no longer have the Carbon 2185. Um, so I don't know the specifics. I do know that I was a backer for something that, that they put out. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID and because of downsizing, it kind of ran into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, to the point where, unfortunately, a a vendor at Dragon Meat in London was harassed by fans. Ah, that's which not good. fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, fans out there, fucking do better. You know, that's that's the point of that. But anyway, um. So yeah, um been getting updates like constantly as backers and I don't know whether it is I think from what I can tell it's gonna be a bit of a restructuring. Mm. So they're essentially not going to publish Carbon twenty one eighty five under Dragon Turtle Games. It's gonna be published under its own sort of wing. Okay. So it's not going away, it's just been uh, shuffled about. I do believe so, from what I can tell. Um, And it actually brought me to a point, because you were saying that you were interested in cyberpunk. Yes. It is a 5e cyberpunk system. Yes, I just read that. (laughs) (laughs) And the other day when you were saying that, for some reason it didn't even fucking occur to me. 
that I actually have this core rulebook and expansions for something that you would be very fucking interested in. I thought you were my friend. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. I'll just steal them off you later. It's fine. The PDFs. Okay, fine. Email them to me later. No, that's that's copyright infringement. Monster. No, I know. I to be honest, they they were saying that they're uh, they're running a sale at the moment, so I might just go and uh, yoink myself a copy. Um, from what I can tell, it is it is really good. They've got um. Oh, the core rulebook's only a tenner. Cool. There you go, tax rebate. <laughs> so I bought furniture and books. Or oh, I could get the actual book for twenty two fifty. That's actually good. I might even. It would be rude not to. Yeah, it's normally forty-five quid. It's down to twenty-two fifty. That's really good. I might even Uh chase that. Uh huh. And then you can get the um, the mission books for level one to seven for seven pound fifty. Oh, I might just uh, buy a cheeky little all of them. (laughs) No, I mean it is a really solid system here. I think it won a prize at some point. Um, it's been a while since I've kind of looked it up, to be fair. But yeah, apparently, I think I, it did I will, at one point. I will definitely be purchasing that <clears throat> after we are finished with this recording. Yeah, definitely worthwhile. And mm. you know, maybe maybe if you like it, we can get the creator on the show. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty interesting, actually. I think he may even be in our Facebook group. Ooh, very I'll interesting. To, I'll have to check afterwards. If he's not, invite him. <laughs> Fucking better, <laughs> um, but speaking of creators, you see another another amazing segue. Good I'm segue. good at these, right? I'm good at these. Uh, Renegade Studios have uh, launched a tabletop role playing game survey. That was a bit of a mouthful for some reason. I don't know why. Now they say it's a five minute survey. However, I did it for five minutes and I got through the first page and I thought, oh great, it's a five minute survey. There's six pages. I was only through the first page. So either I'm very slow or it's not a five minute survey. (laughs) Do you think they lied to us? Possibly. (laughs) There is also the possibility that I'm just slow. (laughs) Well, you know, I was trying to make you feel better. (laughs) Far more likely. (laughs) But what they're trying to do, and it's clear from the questions what they're trying to do, is they're actually trying to get a better understanding of what we, the community, want and are looking for in our games and what we prefer, how we prefer to play. So the kind of questions they're asking are like, um, how do you prefer to access your tabletop role-playing game content? Do you prefer physical books, PDFs, online subscriptions, a little bit of both? Like They're, they're basically asking us the questions of like, how do you actually want to partake in this hobby do you play in person vtts what vtt do you use if you use one they're they're asking all of those kind of questions they're also asking about like um what type of setting you enjoy um how regularly you play how long you've been playing um they're just like it genuinely feels like they're they're trying to get a handle on the community as a whole and where we we are hoping to get some new content um and i'm hoping that they're going to use that apparently they're going to make the whole thing public the findings that they get from the survey which would be pretty cool um which means that we should hopefully get a lot of studios using that to try and maybe plug a few gaps that we want as a community um which would be awesome no that would be awesome to be honest and i think it's i think i think it's something that's now necessary um because the the landscape of this community over the past 10 years has changed 
dramatically. Drastically, yeah, yeah. And I think just touching base with the with the players and GMs and just kind of going, right, okay, we just want your feedback. If we mm. get if we conclude that everything is as it was ten years ago, fucking fine. But at least we're asking. So I think yeah, yeah it is hugely important to to do that. And the fact that they're making it public, I think's even better because like you said, maybe other studios will use that information. Or even not necessarily other studios, but like individuals, right? So like we we spoke about um, you know, the the, the guy that created the Carbon twenty one eighty five, right? he's a local guy to to us and he's created the system and stuff like that same as you know uh for bind right that was an indie project that's you know amazing and cannot stress enough how amazing it is um but like it also opens the door for for indie indie like developers to look at it and go oh there's a gap that i'm actually quite interested in as an individual myself maybe i could write something for it because they know that there's going to be a market for it yeah that's that's hugely important as well because mm. a lot of times we get so many different systems which all kind of do the same thing yeah which yeah, yeah. you know initially that was kind of my aversion to D back in the day because it was okay i've got a fantasy system that i enjoy yeah why am i going to invest in another one <laughs> Then it kind of turned out that they were all bastards, and you know, I was right. But that's beside oh, the point. Look at that far. <laughs> <laughs> no, but still, yeah, I it's. I, um, I, I absolutely that... agree with you on that, though. Um, you know, because I I had a similar thing, but the other way, right? Is because obviously we were introduced to the, the whole hobby playing Pathfinder, um, and I think the issue that I had with Pathfinder is the the ease in which you could stack stuff together and get something really broken really quickly right um so i really fell in love with 5e because you couldn't do that as easily um and i think it was because like i, I had a you know a bit of a bad experience early on with you know power gaming and, and some meta gaming and from various people um so I, I wanted something that didn't have those elements to it which is why i fell in love with 5e but you didn't really have that so you stayed with it and i think it's just that that personal experience made it different to the point where we fell in love with them for different reasons yeah yeah i completely agree and you know we we kind of diverged uh, at that point and yes. you know and i think it's the same for you you've got a fantasy system that works for you that exactly, you enjoy yeah. so that's why you don't really pay much attention to anything that's going on regarding pathfinder yeah and it's the same what got you for <laughs> exactly and that's kind of any D D related stuff i just hand over to you because yeah, it's yeah. like I'm, i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about i have no clue <laughs> i have no fucking clue I've, at one point i was trying to build a 5e campaign and i got sick and i decided to just Make a Pathfinder campaign instead. If I'm being perfectly honest, you can literally build a campaign in either one. Just leave out the specifics because I guarantee you there's something similar in both. Oh, 100%. <laughs> like, I've it was, done it. <laughs> it was so easy to, to kind of 
take <laughs> one thing and apply it to another. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah, it really is. the amount of times I get those free module five e modules, mm. and I just quickly trans translate them to <laughs> change Pathfinder. that to that stat, change that to that stat. <laughs> Job done. Just all I all I do is basically read the story. And then everything else I do on my own. Yeah. It's like, okay, so this is a room with treasure. Let's build a tr- let's build a treasure trove. Yeah. Here, here I've got an encounter. What is, aberrations? I've got aberrations in my bestiary. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So yeah, I, um, well, we kind of went way off topic with that. We did. We did. But that's so. <laughs> I think we should travel back on topic. Yes. Because. Classic Traveller, the facsimile edition, is now free to download. That that was that was a pretty good segue. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, that was pretty good, wasn't it? I'm, I'm a little bit pissed I didn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Traveller, I've mentioned it a few times on the show. Yeah, yeah. Traveller is... I think it was probably the, the second system I tried, and I only tried it for one session. But just the character creation thing was so fucking fun. <laughs> you know, I ended up being a millionaire doctor. Love it. It made the rest of the game so straightforward. <laughs> but it was it was quite a good system, and I and I did enjoy it. And I would wouldn't mind um, having another go. So I have actually downloaded these free rules. I think I think it's just like a uh, an SRD, just a very very stripped out version. Mm. There's also a very cool Kickstarter um, relating to that that I'm looking at that has not launched yet, but I'm intrigued. Um, it's going to be um, a Kickstarter for the 3D printable STL files for the small craft of Traveller. So I might print a few of those if you're going to be running it at some point and we'll actually have the, the ships to play with. Yeah, definitely. Um, we may have to. We won't add it to the list yet because I think no. we've got enough on the list. Yeah, we need to actually get through some of the stuff on the list yeah. before we add more to we it. We need to start picking dates and games yes. and, and whatnot. I may have found someone to run um, the first adventure of the Tales of the Valiant Alpha playtest. Oh, lovely. I will tell you more about that a bit later on. Yes. Um, so I'm not going to read the story just in case. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're interested in Traveller, you can go download that. You're thinking of another segue, aren't you? No, I'm not. I, 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 I'm all out of segues. My segue's out of battery. Yeah. Well, uh, kind of sounds like you need to be renewed. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> almost as if you need a second edition. <laughs> Fantasy Age, second I'm, I'm edition. Gonna, I'm going I'm to apologize to everyone out there that just hard rage quit the podcast there and then. Um, this is a public apology. I'm sorry for that segue. It hurt me as much as it hurt you. Well, you know what you could have done? done it myself <laughs> exactly <laughs> but <All right>. yes <laughs> so this is something that that i think is more your wheelhouse isn't it yeah fantasy age is really cool i like it um, yeah so green ronin publishing have released um fantasy age second edition yes i am very intrigued by that because i've played a lot of um 
other games that are based around you know the the fantasy age uh systems where it's you know 3d6 etc etc um and i will be very intrigued to have a look at this one it also looks like for those of you out there that like a vtt like someone else that is you know in here right now with me um they've included in the pdf stuff to go on roll 20 and similar vtts that's pretty cool so it comes with tokens um pre-built into roll 20 if you buy the uh pdfs and stuff so that's pretty cool sweet so does it say anything about any possible changes any updates so it looks like they've kept a lot of the the same sort of thing so stunting was a big part of the system so the the way the system works uh, or at least the, the first edition i haven't obviously read this one yet so i don't know um but it was 3d6 and one of those dice would be um like your your stunt dice now different systems that were using it would call that dice a different thing like the dragon age system calls that one your dragon die etc etc right yeah essentially if you roll um triples right so if you roll three sixes three fours three ones whatever um or even uh, i think it's i think it's doubles um I can't remember the specifics, but basically if you roll doubles or triples, then whatever number is on your dragon die or your stunt die or whatever, you know, it is in the particular version of the system you're playing, you can then perform um, something off of the stunt table up to that value, right? Yeah. So it's really cool things like um, you can reposition or knock prone or just loads of different, like really cool things to, to change combat. Um, so like some of the ones they've given in the examples here is you've got the, uh, mage stun battle magic. So for two stun points, um, you may follow up your spell with an arcane blast as an immediate free action. So you just get a little bit of extra mage, you know, boom. Um, a warrior stun for three stun points is you blow your injuries. Um, oh no, you'll blow injures one of your foes appendages. Wow. I can't read today. Um, and they take a minus three penalty to test that you use it until the next turn. Um, so like it, you can, you know, hurt their legs for any kind of movement if they want to try and like escape a fireball or something like that, that they're rolling at a minus three penalty, which when you're rolling three D six is a, is a huge number, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, if you do it to a leg, which was the example I chose at random, um, they also get a negative five penalty to speed. So it, it's all these little things that just like augment combat um and it's also usable like they have um like a mage stunt table they've got a um like a role-playing stunt table so there's different stunt tables for different elements of the game as well so even if you're in like a situation where like you're rolling to persuade someone right Mm -hmm. and you stunt then you've got stunts relating to that interaction so it's really really cool system and and i actually kind of like it and i wish there was ways to incorporate it in like a d20 system but it's a little bit trickier um because obviously you don't have that those different dice to you know trigger it and stuff like that but it's a bit like a crit table i guess a quick quick uh, crit success yeah that's table. kind of what i'm that's kind of what i was kind of reminded of not necessarily a crit table but for example in the cypher system mm. if you roll the nice uh i think it's 18 19 or 20 yeah. you get an additional effect yeah and instead of being predefined in the cypher system it's kind of left up to like a discussion between the gm and the player so obviously an 18, the effect would be pretty minor, yeah. 19 a bit bigger, and then a 20 would be like a major, major effect. And, you know, that 
there's no predefined things, but I do get that people sometimes need inspiration. Yeah, so the, the these are predefined in that there's a, a table, but the tables are quite large, and that they're also they're very much just um, they're they are guidelines that you can then you know elaborate on with your DL, right? So like the the hitting of an appendage, it just says you hit an appendage and you injure it. It's up to you and the DM to decide like how that works and all that sort of thing. But also, um, you can do as many of them as you can afford with your stump points. So if you roll sixes, right? Yeah. You've got six stump points. So you could do three, two stump point um, stunts. So you can use as many, or even like if you've got something that costs you one stump point, you could do six of those, right? So it, but you can only do one of one thing. So you can't like do the injuring thing twice, if that makes sense. You yeah. So one. you can like multiple effects. Okay. So yeah. I'm going to. Injure your arm and you're bleeding, for example. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Does sound interesting. Um, it's not really one that's that's kind of... It's not... Hasn't really cropped up on my radar all too often until we kind of started doing this podcast. I think you'd actually really enjoy it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I might actually pick that, that rule book up. Um, and if I do, I will definitely run it for you because it, it's the kind of system that someone like you, I think, would... F- would thrive in because when you get those stunts there's so much um it basically encourages the role play elements because you then can tell the story of how that stunt happens right yeah so even if it's something like a a reposition in combat right so you get like i don't know two stunt points you can reposition yourself in combat you can then narrate that like oh yeah i do a flip over this way and and i land behind them or whatever like however you want to stylize it right so it's pretty cool from that element um and i definitely think you would uh you would really enjoy it yeah i'd definitely be interested in in running it we can add that to the list if you want oh it's not expensive well that's the pdf i'd rather buy the actual book what's our list looking like now anyway one two three four five six things i mean one one of those is food but six things <laughs> yeah but it's still a thing we'll put it on the list because yeah. i'm definitely buying that it's just i might wait for the uh the physical mm. copy rather than the pdf yeah we've got some come cloak and dagger mm. we need to we need to revisit that at some point because that does do. that does sound kind of fun then what was that one we were talking about, which was basically a horror, but in a in the corporate environment? I can't remember what the fuck that was called. Oh, um, oh, it's going to bug me now. But I mean, I could basically just remodel Delta Green for that, I, to be fair. I'm, I'm sure one of our listeners will let us know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm just having a look at past content now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just having a, a quick read through of... It looks like Clerk and Dagger like absolutely smashed its target. Did it? It got uh five hundred and seventy seven backers pledged nine thousand two hundred and three dollars. Gee, that's uh, a... pounds even not dollars pounds. Yeah, but he, I mean, holy shit! Yeah, their goal was two thousand five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> they smashed it. <laughs> so five hundred. What was it? How many backers? Five hundred and seventy seven. And they went raised over nine grand. Nine, over nine grand, nine thousand two hundred and three. Yeah, that's yeah. Every every backer's putting in, you know, that, quite a bit. Oh, I'm a little bit upset. I didn't pledge thirty for it. You get a gilded book and the PDF. Ah, too late. Yeah, 
But estimated delivery 2023. Yeah. And so, that was last updated a week ago. Oh, sweet. So yeah. Well, we'll just have to wait good. for the we'll just have to wait for the yeah for the PDF to come out and pick that up. I'll probably buy the actual book to be honest. I prefer the actual books to PDFs. I have a big bookshelf. I need to fill it. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just having a look. Seeing. <laughs> I'm just having a look, seeing what the what the basic system is. Can't find it. <laughs> so. Oh, I can't see that. Anyway, sorry. Yes, I was I was going down a rabbit hole. Need to stop. Uh, well, instead of going down a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. shall we head over to the couch? Yeah, couch is quite busy today. Yes, he told he told me he he sent in a lot, and I think we should space that out. Yeah, we're going to space <laughs> out. There's also someone else who spent who sent in a few questions. Yeah, we're I've, also I've gonna yeah. we're also gonna space out. So. Uh, I, I got two questions in. One okay. is actually relating to stuff we've already spoken about, so I think we should do that one first. All right. Because um, you did back the Tales of the Valiant project, did you not? I did, yes. So this this question uh, comes from Sci-Fi. Um, again, thank you for another amazing question. Um, he asks... Well, he says, uh, I've not played D&D for many years. Uh, it does appear to be fairly close to D&D from some of the behind-the-curtain boxes. Do we feel that it has addressed some issues, or is it too early to say? For me, it's far too early to say, because I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm, I'm that clueless about D&D. That I'm, I've read it. I've, I've read it. I've gone flip through the the alpha release, mm-hmm. and it does seem to me like D and D. You know, and one of the classes, the cleric. Let's see if I can find it. Actually, uh, I've got it in my books. Um, it actually um, kind of points out some of the changes. Oh, that's. Pretty cool. But it only does it for the cleric, doesn't do it for the fighter, doesn't do it for the... Do you think that's maybe because it's alpha release and they maybe haven't finished those other classes yet? Quite possibly. Um, Quite possibly. Um, Let's have a look. Cleric, cleric and gods. Cleric quick build. Okay, so behind the curtain, reworking the cleric. Hmm. So this section covers the changes made to the cleric base class as it appears in 5e and some clarifications around the choices made. So first of all, the cleric subclass is now chosen at third level instead of first. This accomplishes several goals. It standardizes class progression so players can achieve important milestones as a group. Yeah. It better spreads out around cleric class features so players have more time to master base cleric abilities before introducing more complex options at higher levels. And it makes third level more exciting. I quite like that. Oh, my voice went really weird there. I quite (laughs) like that change, actually. Um, And I'm well aware that that's staying in. Um... (laughs) What, your bollocks dropping? (laughs) (laughs) I I really like that change, though. I think that's that's good. Um, You know, the... The fact that it's something that's actually always kind of bugged me in in D anD D, and this is going to sound like such a cop out, but in 
one D&D, in air quotes, because that's not what it's called. It's just called D&D. It's one D&D. It's going to be called um, one D&D. They seem, to be addressing, one <laughs> they seem to be addressing those same issues, right? So they, they are balancing out when classes are getting their power spikes, and they are trying to address those same issues of when they get their subclasses and things like that. So it's definitely something that's been highlighted in 5e as being a problem. And it seems that not only have you know they obviously seen that and tried to address it, but even wizards have seen that and gone, yeah, cool, we fucked up there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think if they've if they've gone through and kind of fixed things like that throughout the system, that's going to be really good because that's a lot of stuff that five E players have been complaining about um, that needed addressing basically because it, it it speaks to balance and that is one of the questions that. Um, actually was in that survey uh, from Renegade Studios that I mentioned okay. earlier, um, is about, like, is is balancing of classes important to you in, in the game, uh, games that you play? And I feel it is because you, you don't want to kind of be shoehorned into not playing a specific class or playing a specific class because there's just no benefit to playing them or it'd be stupid not to play them, right? Yeah. Um, like, kind of like we touched on with, you know, Monk um, last week. With monks being completely overshadowed by the new bard subclass, why would you play a monk? If you want to play a monk, you just play the bard because you get all of the monk with bard. Yeah. Like, it's a free multi-class. Um, so I think balance is, is very important. Um, and if they've started to address those balance changes, then that's going to be really good. But I would say it's also a little bit too early for me to say because I've not even read it yet. But yeah. I look forward to playing it. Um, and then we will be able to give you a proper answer to that one in the future i'm sure so another change that that's happened to the cleric is the manifestation of faith it's a new first level feature that allows a cleric to gain additional proficiencies or enhance the power of their spells depending on whether you want to play a more warrior like or miracle work miracle worker like cleric so manifest might you gain the proficiency with heavy armor and martial weapons Additionally, you gain the ability to infuse your weapon strikes with divine energy. Ah, oh, that's pretty cool. So you can lean into like a war priest or a healer. Yeah, yeah like... it does sound like um, Pathfinder's oh, war priest in yeah. this edition. And on the other hand, you can manifest miracles where you learn an additional cantrip. And it counts as a divine... Um, Sorry, I'm going to make that even clarify that. You learn one additional cantrip of your choice from any circle of magic. Ooh, this that's count- powerful. Yeah, this cantrip counts as a divine cantrip for you, but it doesn't count against the number of cantrips you know. Additionally, okay. you can add your PB, proficiency bonus, I'm guessing. Proficiency bonus, yeah. Um, to the damage you deal with any divine cantrip. I'm excited to play this now. This sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what else? Um, also, channel divinity. Mm. Um turn the profane has replaced turn undead turn the profane works the same way but it affects undead and now fiends i like that change because turn undead was so oddly specific that if you were so if you're playing in a campaign where there's no one dead then it's just a pointless it's a waste yeah yeah so i I like that they've added the the fiends because there's so many things that have the fiend like tag yeah I, i like that that's a good good change so yeah by the sounds of it they've they've taken on a lot of the like community feedback and gone right we need to change those elements specifically that's really good and i'm now even more excited than i was to play it 
Yeah, and just kind of going through, um, I can't really find... I mean, for example, for the fighter subclass, they've got the Spellblade and the Weapon Master. Rogue, have they done any... See, none of the other classes, Wizard, mm. have they added like a footnote say this is where we've changed stuff however what i have noticed go back again <laughs> um now correct me if i'm wrong right and this is kind of going on my um my limited knowledge of, of 5e yeah when you get to a certain level you can choose between um an attribute bu bump yep or a feat yes i don't think that's the case here okay um after level one so basically hit points and hit die proficiencies i'm not entirely i can't see anything regarding should be about level four is what it is in 5e yeah i can't see anything about um attribute bumps but i think you just get talents for your class. Okay. Your class goes up in, in thingy and you, you start getting talents, I think, at third level when you kind of choose your subclass. So mm, I think you just get that. That'd them. be interesting. Yeah, so I don't know how that's going to fully work. I really do need to, to kind of. Yeah, so look I, into I, I it. guess the, the main reason for those, you know, those ASIs, um, your ability score increases. Uh, is to progress your character, right? But if those talents are going to give you bumps and specific things, I feel like that actually might be a better way of showing character progression, right? Because if if you're, you know, maybe trying to be a bit of a pickpocket or something like that, right? You're not going to get naturally dexterous at everything dexterity-based. You're going to get sp specifically good at pickpocketing. Yeah. So a talent that would give you... Um, essentially th th those are like your feats right the talents because it's going to give you a specific bump in a specific situation that you've actually been practicing or training or or whatever um i actually think that that might be a better way of handling it if i'm if i'm being completely honest which hurts me to say hmm. um <laughs> that somebody's doing it better than the system i love um but, well i mean know, if they're doing it right they're doing it right so uh, You've got to you've got to remember that Five E is still almost ten years old now. Yeah. So you know, and yeah. Cobalt Press has been dealing with Five E for all that time. All that time, yeah. They, so they, they know it. Inside they've had out. plenty of yeah. time to kind of go. Mm, that could work better. That could yeah. work better. So, in a way, it's going to be objectively better. Yeah, and I think it's yeah. As as long as they haven't changed stuff that worked well. Um, or if they've changed something that didn't work well to make it work well, that it's broken something else, I think is is the real danger um, of, of doing those sorts of changes. Yeah, I mean, I'll be more interested to, to kind of hear your opinion on it when you get the book. Yeah. Because obviously you coming from a 5e background, you're going to have more insight than I am. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I will hopefully be purchasing that shortly and I'll have a read through of it this week. Cool. Right. Okay. So uh, thanks for the question, Sci-Fi. Mm -hmm. Another great one. Um, okay. So my next question is from Chris, who is coming to us from Why Do You Want to Know? 
<laughs> That's such a Chris answer. <laughs> and his question is, what part of the hobby do you wish you could witness or experience again for the first time? Oh, that's a good one. I think it it would have to be the first character death I witnessed. Okay, elaborate. Well, I think at the time, I didn't really think too much of it. But looking back at it now, it was such a really cool thing, right? The way it was done, the way it was handled and everything like that. It was just, it was really, really cool. Um, And I didn't realize it at the time because I didn't have the experience that I have now. So I think I would like to go back to that moment so I could appreciate it properly in the moment, if that makes sense. Okay, so what was the character death? It wasn't even my character. That's 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 the funny thing. Um, it was... I, I can't even remember. Like, again, this is what I mean. Like, I wish I could go back to it because I can't even remember it properly. But it was it was a, a combat encounter and essentially the... There's this dude, like, he basically... It, it wasn't even a group that I was familiar with. I was just kind of joining in for one session um, and a, a dude died trying to save somebody else's life. Um, so he, it was like that classic moment of like, I'll lay down my life so you guys can escape type thing. Okay. Um, and at the time I was like, oh, that was pretty cool. But I just kind of like glazed over it because like the way it was handled by the DM, the way it was handled by the player and everything like that it was just a really cool moment. Um, but I just didn't have the appreciation at the time because I didn't realize how big of a moment that was. Um, cause I think at the time as well, I was still very much, you know, I'd come out of, um, our Pathfinder campaign where, by the time I left, nobody had died, right? We hadn't didn't have any character deaths yet. Um, and there was just... So I didn't have, like, that attachment to anything or anyone um, that was brought to an end through anything other than me moving away. Um, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think, yeah, that it would have to be that for me, going back to that first character death moment so I could, I could truly appreciate it properly. Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. I mean, I'm trying to think of the first one I witnessed, the first character death I witnessed. Whether Isn't that it was yours. It, it, might, it might well have been, and that's kind of what I'm struggling with. But that was a good character death. It, that, well, I, I heard about it. It sounded that was very good. Fucking overkill. <laughs> but in terms of the question, it's quite ironic because. My answer actually involves the person who's asked the question. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so the Skulls and Shackles campaign kind of fell by the wayside, but mm. um, the question asker, Chris and Couch, um, I basically like split off from the, from the adventure path and... I created essentially what was my first homebrew. So as you recall, Skulls and Shackles, piratey, swashbuckling, yes. on a ship, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. So what I kind of did was just go batshit insane with it. That they would get access to a planar traveling skiff Ooh. that would be able to fly and travel the planes. That sounds amazing. Now... During this, even before they actually got to that point, they rescued a halfling. Mm-hmm. Right? 
And to cut a long story short, because this went on for session after session after session, that I had this halfling was the big bad evil guy. Right? Nice. But in disguise. Yeah. And I think it was, yeah, it was a she. She wanted something very specific. And to that, she had done something to Chris's character's father in order to lure them in and use them and manipulate them Mm. into getting what she wanted. That's so good. And I kept this ruse up for a long time, months. And I was paranoid (laughs) with the sort of information I was giving them. Yeah, and I would, out. and I would make little interactions with this halfling, so that when everything was revealed, they could look back at those interactions and see them in an entirely different light. Oh, I love those kind of things. Like at one point, they are trying to escape, and she's trying to do something regarding the father. And I think the words I used was, you either do this or everybody dies. Yeah. And in the moment that was taken as, yeah, if this doesn't happen, they're going to kill us. Yeah, everyone's going to die because of that. when the truth was revealed, it was, you do this or I'll kill everybody. Yeah. And that things like that, there were so many things like that. And I will always remember the day the penny dropped for Chris. (laughs) <laughs> he was fucking spitting because <laughs> it was they were away from from the halfling away from the character's father they were on another mission which tied in and there was a revelation towards the end of that mission where Chris's character goes can you just describe this person I went Oh, yeah, she was a halfling. (laughs) Chris screamed down the microphone. (laughs) Calling me a fucking cunt and all, you know, on all this. And it was so satisfying. (laughs) uh, Don't get me wrong, I've pulled bait and switches since. Yeah. But but nothing nothing was like that. To that extent. And to be honest, I don't think I ever will again. (laughs) <laughs> but oh it was so glorious yeah no yeah i i, I could see why that would be a moment you'd want to want to live again for the first time that sounds pretty cool it would every interaction i'd meticulously thought out mm. so that i wouldn't reveal any information but at the same time if anyone Looking were to go back and, yeah. and re-listen for yeah, example yeah, yeah. They'd kind of go, what a bastard. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I love those kind of reveals, though, right? Where, like, so I, I was um, I was watching Red Notice. I don't know if you've seen that film. Uh, with uh... Ryan Reynolds. Uh, yes. The Rock and, yeah, that's and, got a lot of twists. Yeah. But, again, that's one of those films, right, that if you watch it again, once you know the twists, you're like, oh, you motherfuckers, you were laying that down the whole fucking time. Like. You ah oh, didn't like you didn't see it the first time. You're just like oh, this is a really genuine character that like and then like 
the rewatch Gilly. Mm-mm, you little fucker. Uh-uh. No. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, some of the great movies that did that, uh, for example, Fight Club or yeah. The Sixth Sense. Yeah. Where you get the reveal at the end and you go back and watch it and just kind of go, how the fuck did I not pick up on this? Uh, another one I love that's like that is uh, Lucky Number Slevin. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, yes. That's yeah. a fantastic film. That man. really underperformed. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know why it didn't do well. It was a great film. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I might actually rewatch that at some point. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be rewatching it soon. I'm just, <laughs> I love that film. <laughs> um but yeah no that's a great moment actually yeah no that's that's really cool so yeah i hope that answered your your question chris we've Mm -hmm. got another question from you that we will be doing next week Mm -hmm. um so just to kind of space some out you said you had another question i do so i'm gonna do both of uh sci-fi's locations on this one because i did his questions in a different order than he sent them um, so the locations won't make sense if I read them and like with the the question that they were attached to. Fair. Um, because the second question was actually related to something obviously that we had already spoken about, which was Tales of the Valiant. But the first question he sent me um, was from Vault One Sixty Eight in a secret bunker somewhere in Essex. Um, question was sent in Morse code by tapping on a pipe. Um, and nice. Actually, second... that, that was good. <laughs> the second question um, he he sent in the location was updated. Uh, and he put location update have managed to get into an access tunnel escape imminent so just wanted to get those both in there because does anybody else want to kind of follow that thread (laughs) right (laughs) sci-fi tell us a story via questions (laughs) um but he asks how much do you change a published adventure or campaign or do you largely run as is uh do you think it important or more fun to have the adventure respond to what the players do Oh, I respond to the players to a certain Mm. degree. See, if I'm running something that's published, I try and stick to the published material, but that's mainly because I'm shit at improv, as you well know. Um, So I I really struggle to... um, if If it's... If I've got something written in front of me, I like to stick to what's written in front of me, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, Um, and... That is, I mean, essentially that's the idea of published adventures. That yeah. you, have, you have been given a story, you've been given the encounters, blah, blah, blah. However, I have a hard time saying no. I, I know that. So that <laughs> I blame Scott. <laughs> fair point. <laughs> but when... He, he never said no. <laughs> he never did. And in my homebrew, I'm I, I roll with it quite easily. Mm. In a published adventure, I have to allow them to go off track, but then I kind of have to steer it back. Yeah, that's kind of the my my thought process of oh we want to do this okay, even if that even if that requires okay guys we're gonna call it early, you throw me through a loop, give me a week to think about this. And then I'm able to to send them on a side quest in a way, mm. but I will always try and bring navigate it, it. Back. Yeah, navigate it. Back. I might, I might, I might try doing that myself to be honest, because that was, um, I think as well. It, it it depends on how well you know the world that you're doing this published adventure or campaign in, right? Because um, for for example, the the first time I ever DM'd something was. Um, 
I was going to be running a Dragon Age campaign because in the back of the core rulebook they've got a little adventure um, that you can that you can run, right? So I was going to run that for some people that wanted to play the system, but they didn't really have a lot of experience with tabletop role playing games and things like that. However, they know the world, and I don't really know that world. I don't know much about Dragon Age. I've never played the video games. I've I've never read any of the the books or the lore or anything like that around it. So I don't know the world. And uh, within the first like ten minutes of the first session, one of the players who like knows that world back to front, inside out, and I would not want to go up against them in a quiz on that world because I would lose hands down. I uh, was like, I'm going to go this way, and I was like, that's not in the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I I, I kind of had to just put my hands up at that point and hand the book over to somebody who knows the world just as well as they do, but also happens to be a, a pretty good DM. Um, somebody that we both actually know, um, Tom. Okay, yeah, yeah. He, so he he took over, and then um, I I just played instead of DMing. Um, That's fair. I mean, I um like in in society games, I I stick to what's written. Yeah. And if a player kind of goes, "Oh, can we do this?" I'll just say. <laughs> that's not in the scope of the adventure or i will quickly narrate it okay you do that you don't get any information now what yeah. are you doing in regards to this um that's yeah. only because they're time limited and time sensitive yeah whereas in in an ap where i've got a lot more freedom and they want to zig instead of zagging it's like yeah by all means i'm going to get you back to where you need to be yeah but then maybe a detour for example in rune lords i think it's in book two there is a a a bit of a filler sort of quest which doesn't really inform much about the story um but it you know it gives players xp and you know they have to deal with certain things that that are tangentially sort of related and my players just went ahead and skipped that. Yeah. They went, oh, no, we want to go to this place, which was like the end of that particular book. It's like, okay, fair enough. Let's do that. <laughs> but by the time they got back and they'd finished that, I had an NPC tell them, oh, well, all this shit was going on. And <laughs> a load of people died. Yeah. Because, you know, essentially... You they weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I like that. And, you know, so I will always work under the the assumption that the world keeps on turning. Yeah. So if they want to go and do something, by all means, go for it. But the big big bad is not gonna sit there waiting. You know, things are gonna evolve and if that means changing some of the book that's coming up, then I'll do it. Yeah, I think as well, it, it's also uh, dependent on the players at the table, right? Because if you, if it, I think, again, this is going to go back to, and I, I say this every time we talk about this sort of thing, it's going to go back to that session zero. Um, you know, when you sit down and you go through, look, this is what I'm you know, planning to run. This is what it is. This is laying out those expectations. Because if, if they, if the players go into it knowing, okay, we're running from this book, we're running through that storyline, they're going to be more inclined to perhaps stick to the story beats, right? Because they know that that's what they're getting into when they when they sign up and say, "Yeah, I'll play." Um, so I think, yeah, I think I think it really depends on that session zero as well. 
Yeah. No, yeah, that that's hugely important. Um, and I, I think that that's my answer to every question. Session zero. <laughs> no, but it is hugely important, and yeah. you know, not every GM is the same. Mm. Some GMs feel more comfortable exactly, with yeah. with like pre-written stuff. Personally, I find it harder to run yeah. pre-written stuff than I do to run my own stuff. Run your own, yeah. Just because I'm trying to memorize something that someone else has written. Yeah, see, and again, I think that's where you, you and me differ is because I find that easier than mm. writing my own thing. Um, because even like when I do write my own thing, so like like that campaign that I've been writing for God knows how long at this point now that I sent you, um, you know, the, the start of... Um, a big portion of that was stolen from other campaigns that I've played um, and then just kind of like patchworked together to kind of make sense. Yeah, it does. You know, you're going to borrow from everywhere, so. I Actually, I don't know if you noticed, but the entire first like chapter Skulls that I Shackles, sent you yes, with Skulls of Jackals, yeah. yeah cool. I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, I read it and went, okay. That's familiar. <laughs> I, I kind of know that bit. In but, my defence, Scots and Shackles was a lot of fun. <laughs> fair play, fair play. I am wanting to restart that at some point. I would love to play that because yeah. I I left early, didn't I? So I didn't get to finish it. You did. So I'm I'm thinking of redoing it for second edition I would and be just starting again. And um, our mutual friend, he's got fucking everything for it. So it mm. will be a case of in person, physical props, and the works. Lovely. Mm. All right, so thank you very much, Sci-Fi, for that one. Mm-hmm. Another fantastic question. Okay, so this next one comes from the chef formerly known as Couch. <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. The man, the myth, the legend. Um, from never to be found in the pages of a fourth edition D&D rulebook. <laughs> um, and he asks, as you spoke a little bit about it, how do you feel on time periods in games? Would you find a certain time period more comfortable than others? What would be your preferred? So my immediate answer is yes. There are some time periods that I'm just more comfortable in. Um, I feel like any time period where we have a frame of reference today is a lot harder um, because people tend to know a bit more about it, right? So if you were trying to run something that was maybe in the, the 80s, like people were alive in the 80s that would be at that table potentially right so if you say something that isn't necessarily correct for the time or didn't come out to like the 90s or you like you get what i mean like it, it can be a bit um jarring with those sorts of things okay um personally for me um just because i'm weird um whereas things like you know if you go uh you know dystopian future or even further back like to you know fantasy games like those sort of medieval times it's a lot harder to have that um, grasp on the the actual time that it's happening. Um, so it's a lot easier to feel like, oh, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. That would exist, yeah. Uh, whereas if like you're playing something in the eighties and like, oh yeah, he pulled out his tablet. Like, sorry, what? <laughs> on that note, there is actually, um, I think it's Tales from the Loop, mm. um, another system that has to be on the list at some point. It sounds so much fun. But <laughs> in the preamble to that, it actually goes, okay, so this is set, and I do believe it's the 80s. 
here are some reference points. And it gives you lists of stuff. It's like number one in 1985 and it'll post a song. Yeah. And it is actually really cool. I thought it was a really nice, sweet touch to add. Yeah, see, for me, those are the sorts of things that I need because, like, uh, if it's a, a time period that I'm comfortable with, um, I would struggle to get invested if things were wrong. But that's just because of the way my brain works, right? If there's something that doesn't feel right to me, my brain just goes, mm, no. Yeah, I mean, I I struggle with... I think the, the time period I would struggle most with would be sort of like the... 1920s you know maybe late Mm. 1800s early 1900s they're the sort of ones that i would would most certainly struggle with um anything modern day yeah i'll take it anything fantasy anything (laughs) sci-fi yeah i'm 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 up for that um they're kind of my preferred they're kind of my go-tos anything that's like like call of cthulhu is set in like the early 20s it's like yeah I'd, I'd struggle with that i mean i played acton cthulhu which is set in during the second world war and even that it was like oh that's i wouldn't be able to run that comfortably i'd be able to play in it because i just get told about the time period by the gm but yeah to run it i'd, I'd definitely struggle well i think that's all we've got time for tonight I just want to say thank you to Couch, Chris, and Sci-Fi for writing in some fantastic questions. I want to thank Justin for for spending some time with me this this evening, and more importantly, I want to send uh, spent say thank you to everybody out there listening who's you know spent some of their valuable time just listening to Two Idiots Waffle On. Check us out next week and thank you very much.